from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Well, I think the more that we continue to use those drop-off sites, it really signals to the city that this is important. JT, you feel like in your own neighborhood, people aren't doing this with care. They're just kind of dumping willy-nilly. Absolutely. I mean, I even wrote on top of my lid, know this, know that, know this, know that, and it didn't do any good. Well, JT, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I got to admit, I kind of have the same problem with my husband. I cannot get him to understand what he's allowed to recycle and what he isn't. Alderwoman Navarro, any solutions there when we're thinking about the citizenry as a whole and not just maybe scofflaw spouses? Well, education is definitely a key part of it. STLCityRecycles.com is the place to go for updates as well as what can be recycled and what cannot. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last May, something happened to the recycling bins in the city of St. Louis. The city stopped sending designated trucks to pick them up. Instead, they began just dumping their contents in with the trash. Now, if you carefully sort your aluminum and your paper from your banana peels, this may come as a shock, but this supposedly temporary solution has proven surprisingly durable. And here to discuss where things stand and what it would take to change them is Heather Navarro. She is the outgoing St. Louis Alderwoman for Ward 28. She still holds that post through early next week, and we're going to get her in here while we can. So, Alderwoman Heather Navarro, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, the city made this change apparently last spring. Uh, were aldermen notified at the time that, that this was how things had to be handled for the moment? Yes, yes, we were. We were notified about the the shortings, um, the staff shortages, which was really what prompted this at the beginning. And, and we were told it would be temporary and they'd be working on a solution as fast as possible. And when they said temporary, did they give you any sense of like what their hopes and dreams were for that temporariness? Well, I think at the beginning, we all thought it would be a few weeks. And then when we followed up, okay, it's going to be more of a matter of months. And part of that is even if you hire somebody, it takes a few months to get them trained, to get the proper, some of them don't come in with the proper commercial license so that they've got to do that. And navigating our narrow alleys is not an easy job. So I understand. So it's not something that was going to be solved overnight, but it did keep getting extended, extended. And then we thought by the end of this year, then by the beginning of this year, and and here we are. Yeah, it seems like there keep being updates saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen. My sense is that people aren't pushing this under the rug. People are, are focused on this. And yet we're exactly where we were last spring in terms of what's actually happening to our recycling bins. How big a concern is that for you as an older woman? It's a big concern because refuse just in general is a big concern. And we've seen how essential these services are, especially during the pandemic. But at all times throughout history, how we handle our waste is extremely important to our health and our well well-being. And we also know that it takes a lot of work for people to get into the habit and develop a culture of recycling. And when you start to lose that, um, I think a lot of us are really concerned that, you know, we, we don't want people to get out of their habits of, of sorting. So um, I think, you know, we need to find a solution soon. I know we're not alone in this. These staffing shortages are facing people, you know, all over the country. This this is a problem. But yes, it is a concern. Yeah. And this has been a topic on the show that in many industries are dealing with staffing shortages right now. But prior to everything's sort of coming to a halt last spring, were there concerns about this particular department and trouble finding good people? Well, I think, um, you know, we've staffing at the city has always been somewhat difficult. And we've known for a long time that our refuse workers are, are 
it's a competitive job and there are other places they can come to the city, they mm-hmm. get trained, they get their commercial license and they can get a better salary somewhere else. And part of that is because we don't value that that job. The, like I said, this is an essential worker. And, you know, we think, oh, you know, refuse workers. But really, without them, where where are we? And so that has been a problem for for a long time, finding folks who are willing to do this, this really difficult job. So our producer reached out to the St. Louis Commissioner of Refuse, that's Todd Walterman, reached out on January 6th for an interview. Uh, he responded that week, quote, we are reviewing whether it makes sense to do this interview given where we are with lack of recycling and being behind on regular trash collection. We'll get back to you on this issue. Uh, She did follow up again with Todd, also reached out to city spokesman Nick Dunn yesterday, had some questions about how things are going currently, and it does appear this is a status quo situation. They're working on this. Um, They mentioned that they are offering these new hires a bonus of $3,000. That's for all heavy equipment operators that operate the trash trucks and complete their working test period. They're still doing that. It appears that that has not been enough to make a difference. Do we know what the base pay is or beginning pay is for this position? You know, I used to know, um, and I'm sorry, I don't have that off the top of my head. Um, yeah, and, and I'd hate to guess, but it's sure. not enough. It's I can tell enough. you that. And it's not necessarily competitive with you know, the private jobs that are out there in the same industry. One of the other things that our producer asked the city about is, is the refuse division still 15 to 20 trucks short? And they said in a statement, quote, it's a balance between trucks available and drivers. We have a decent fleet of equipment, but lack enough mechanics to keep them operational today. Each day varies, but we average near 40 trucks each day to complete 55 routes. We keep up with our roll count roll cart routes daily. That is a mouthful. But fall behind during the week on alley pickup. So far, we've been able to work weekends and catch up by the end of each week. And so it sounds like even just getting the trash picked up, this is a huge problem. Yes, yes, I I think so. And I know that they did hire some folks last fall, which is why we thought we were going to be back on track at the end of last year. And not all of those folks stuck around. And as well, we're dealing with COVID and somebody gets sick or somebody gets a family member who's sick. And so that's playing into all of this as well. But I do think that this also speaks just to a bigger problem at the city in terms of hiring Um, and, you know, finding folks who are trained, making sure that they're paid adequately, that they want to stick with this job. It it is not an easy easy job (laughs) to do. So this is a particularly hard job. But yeah, the city seems to have this problem across departments. Is the residency requirement something that needs to go? If, If my trash pickup guy doesn't live in the city of St. Louis, I don't have a problem with that. I, I agree. And actually, I, I voted for us to end the residency requirement. I understand the, the some of the questions that people have about what we could be doing first to train folks in the city. I'd be all in favor of giving some sort of incentive or bonus to, to, to residents of the city. But right, we, we live in a region. There are lots of people who are qualified. And I would love to see them, you know, if they want to work for the city of St. Louis, I, I think we should welcome them personally. There's also been a lot of concerns raised about the personnel department. And I understand there's now a change at the top of that department. I I don't know if there's a new person there, but the person who'd been in charge for a long time is now gone. Do you think that could end up being a good thing? I really hope that we see some updating in that department. I think that is been a big problem. I sat on the Ways and Means Committee, and when we heard from every department in our budget hearings, you know, it came back to we're short-staffed and the process takes way too long. Even when qualified people come to the city, they can't sit around for six months to wait to find out if they've got a job. And a lot of that is we're an old city and we've got a lot of old bones, everything from our brick buildings to our structures and our systems in place. And COVID has really showed us how, you know, we've had to upgrade systems and personnel is an area where we absolutely need to to get with the current times. So a lot 
lot of people very worried about this refuse situation. We've heard from a lot of people on social media. If you have a question about this, we're going to open the phone lines. You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Uh, Lucas tweets, is our recycling actually being recycled? Residents would love reassurance that if they are going out of their way to bring recycling to designated drop-off sites, that their plastic, cardboard, etc., is making it to recycling facilities and not going to the landfill anyway. And with that, Lucas appears to be referencing the city did create these recycling drop-off sites. There are 25 of these. People were encouraged to take things there. Do you know if those are going where they should be going? So I I believe they are. I was skeptical, too, at first. (laughs) And I thought about staking out some of the recycling drop-off sites and following the trucks to see where they go. But um, so we have in the past, we've had two transfer stations where the recycling materials have gone. Since we're collecting so much less right now, it's really just going to to one. And then it's actually being mixed, I think, with recycling that's being collected from other places. So I have no reason not to believe that 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 those materials are not getting recycled from the roll car as well as from these 25 drop-off locations. So if you take your time to get to one of these drop-off locations, the current understanding is that that is ending up where it's supposed to end up. And if I can tell people, when you bring your stuff in, break down your boxes. That is one thing. So many of these bins fill up very quickly because everybody's getting everything delivered. And then they put these giant empty boxes in the bins and then they're they're overflowing before you know it. It is a huge problem in alleys, even beyond the recycling issue. Um, We also heard from Jerry who tweets, can St. Louis city government contract with commercial vehicle service vendors to repair trucks while dropping off recycling at Brightside St. Louis is nostalgic. It is demoralizing to see recycling lumped in with the trash. I I do hear from people who are having almost that visceral reaction. You, You so carefully sort your stuff. You feel like this is going in the right place. It's not. Is there some sort of third-party contractor situation? Could the city could the city explore this? I I would hope so. Um, however, what I'm hearing is people are having drive you know problems finding drivers everywhere, and it's not just St. Louis. I think I think just recently this station may have even reported that you know Atlanta, Nashville, Louisville, they're suspending the recycling programs, and just throughout the entire recycling industry, people are struggling with finding drivers. And right now, with all of the delivery um, jobs that are out there, you know whether it's Amazon, FedEx whoever it is. Um, People with commercial driving license um, are in high demand right now. And Alderman Navarro, when you mentioned um, the industry, the recycling industry as a whole, I've also heard a lot of people raise the idea that St. Louis's problems are related to a much bigger shift when it comes to American recycled goods. China has said it does not want our plastic anymore. And let's face it, there is a ton of plastic that has been going into those bins. Is that potentially part of this issue here, that there's nobody who really wants this stuff all that bad? I don't know that that is the case. And I would say before the pandemic, um, in my own research, I had found that St. Louis, you know, our our stuff, Republic Services is who finds buyers for our, our recycled goods. And for the most part, they were finding domestic buyers. So our stuff was going back into products mm. and we weren't being as affected by, you know, the, the China sword. However, um, now that so many folks aren't going to, to China, that's creating a whole new dynamic there. But I, There's I, almost too much, too many people want a domestic buyer. R- right. That's what 
everybody's looking for. But it's definitely possible, and we know that recycling can work, and we know that the current situation is not sustainable. We cannot continue generating products that don't go away. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this the bigger picture situation here is so frustrating. I mean, going back to the 90s when, you know, I know you and I were both there for the 90s, and it felt like recycling is going to save us. Now we understand a lot more complications with this, that all this plastic a lot of it was ending up in landfills in, in third world countries. Right. Well, and then you have the whole microplastics. And especially for those of us who live right here along the Mississippi River, we should be very concerned about the health of our water resources. And that's another big piece of this. So, you know, th- yes, there's a, a lot of issues with, with plastic. But we d- so one, reusing, not producing it in the first place would be great. Reusing it before you even put it in a bin anywhere. And then, you know, three, finding the right buyers and recycling it. I mean, all of those are pieces of the puzzle. We're talking today to say. St. Louis Alderwoman Heather Navarro. She's in her final week as an Alderwoman for the city of St. Louis, here to help us discuss this issue of what is happening with recycling in the city of St. Louis and what it would take to get this problem fixed. I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, JT is calling from St. Louis. Uh, JT, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. I, I just want to say that I, have an, I live in a neighborhood in Bevo with alley dumpsters that I don't think the, I don't know what we can do to make people recycle, but I don't even think the residents on my block know that the city is not recycling. And when we were, it, it didn't matter to them. They used the recycle as a dumpster. I've been making weekly trips to the sublet fire station, and it's so good to see that everything in all those dumpsters is people who are interested in the problem of recycling. Mm. But, but JT, you feel like in your own neighborhood, people aren't doing this with care. They're just kind of dumping willy-nilly. Absolutely. I mean, I even wrote on top of my lid, know this, know that, know this, know that, and it didn't do any good. Well, JT, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I got to admit, I kind of have the same problem with my husband. I cannot get him to understand what he's allowed to recycle and what he isn't. Alderwoman Navarro, any solutions there when we're thinking about the citizenry as a whole and not just maybe scofflaw spouses? Well, education is definitely a key part of it. And I would say stlcityrecycles.com is the place to go for updates as well as what can be recycled and what cannot. And I hear your frustration in terms of getting the word out. I do know a lot of people still don't know what the situation is. But education is key. And we saw when there was a a big push to get plastic bags out of recycling bins, um, that made a big difference. And that allowed the the facility to be able to keep running more hours. You know, they didn't have to shut down so much. And and that was a direct response to a very successful education campaign. So we know when people are educated, it does work. But contamination is is one of the top problems with recycling, for sure. That's a huge problem. And earlier we were talking about just overflow um, in, in some of these dumpsters. It seems like illegal dumping just continues to be such a huge problem in St. Louis. Do you see this in the 28th Ward? Um, you know, I, I think the illegal dump, we see a little bit different. We've got a high density, and so you've got a, a mix of commercial as well as, um, you know, as as well as the city dumpsters. Um, I think a lot of the illegal dumping we see, we see some of it because we are on the edge of the city-county um, line there. And so I think a lot of those neighborhoods um, get a lot of dumping from folks who don't want to take care of it on the county side. They bring it over here. Ugh. Or especially in neighborhoods where there's a lot of vacancy and people think, oh, nobody's paying attention, so I'm just going to dump things here. Um, so I hear from my colleagues a lot about this. And just sitting on the Parks and Environment Committee, I know that that is a very big issue that our city faces. So it's so clear from just 
all the tweets we have, we have even more, just people who are very upset about this, and, and rightly so. Is there anything that citizens can do at this point to try to help advocate for this issue, put their thumb on the lever, something to help remedy this problem in the city? Well, I think the more that we continue to use those drop-off sites, it really signals to the city that this is important. And that's one thing we are learning is that people want to recycle. So the city is going to be, um, you know, they're going to be issuing new contracts soon for how we handle our, our waste, you know, who we're using in terms of hauling and that sort of thing. And it's good for the city to know that the people of St. Louis want to recycle. So keep using those sites when they fill up. Call the Citizen Service Bureau, 622-4800. Let them know this site is is full. I know people who drive around trying to find ones that are empty. So mm. the more we drive up that demand, the more likely the city is to you know find a solution that works. So that's some very good advice here. And Alderman Navarro, in our final three minutes here or so, I'd be remiss not to talk about the big news going on in your life. You resign on Monday because you're becoming the next director of the Midwest Climate Collaborative. What made you want to take that job? Well, working on climate change has been something that has been close to me since since I was in grade school, probably. Um, and this collaborative brings together academic institutions, local governments, nonprofits. Um, and, and I've worked in the nonprofit sector, now working in local government. It just seems like this is a really great way for me to continue to serve my community, but in a little bit more focused role on something challenging or, you know, one of the, the most, challenge, most challenging uh, issue I think we're facing today. And this is an initiative of Washington University? Well, it's a collaborative. So it's housed at Washington University right now now. Um, but it really is about bringing together a whole variety of, like I said, academic institutions and partners and stakeholders across the Midwest region. Um, Bloomberg Philanthropies was the one who funded, they, there was money that went to the city um, a few years ago, as well as to Washington University to get this um, up off the ground. So it's come after a couple of years of Midwest climate summits. So we're really lucky that it is housed here in St. Louis, but it's really much bigger than just Washington University. It seems like such a sea change that you're going to like this huge global issue after your years of dealing with kind of these quotidian things that the Board of Aldermen has to deal with. And, and we're grateful that aldermen are out there dealing with this. But is that going to feel just like a sea change from going to the individual alley level to the globe? Well, I'm really excited about it because I think they are so connected. And I see so many great ideas and research coming out of our academic institutions, for example. And knowing like, how does it actually get implemented on the ground to me is the big challenge. And so I, I am just really excited to be able to pull it all together and bring folks. And I've, I've told the folks at City Hall, I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be calling on you. So when we get this great idea about what we're going to do about, you know, whether it is about recycling or climate resiliency, flooding, I'm going to be calling up the folks who, you know, working day to day on these issues at City Hall and say, okay, how does this actually work in real life? You know, mm. tell me how we get this done. So the timing of you leaving is kind of strange in that the board suddenly like cuts itself in half next year. Do you know if they're even going to fill your seat for the remaining months of this year? I'm anticipating there will be a special election in, in April. So it has to happen so many days after my last day. So that... Um, that is what I'm I'm planning on, and so the 28th ward will not will not be unrepresented for this next year. There will be somebody to advocate for those 28th ward alleys. That is re actually really good to know. I'm sure the residents are are delighted yes. that they don't have to go that long without representation. Well, this is exciting to hear about this new job. And are you starting that right away, or do you get a moment to catch your breath? No, I'm going to start on Tuesday oh. because they are launching the collaborative on on Friday. Wow. Okay, so you are not even taking a single day off. 
No, but you know, I'm used to that. <laughs> That's what the last four and a half years is, has been. So, um, and I and I, I really can't, I can't wait to get started. Well, we wish you the best in this new role. It sounds very exciting. And we really appreciate you coming in one last time to push for this issue. I know environmental issues are, are so important to you. So Alderwoman Heather Navarro, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.